Howdy all. We have a we had a very exciting and um, happening weekend in terms of the world of sports. Uh, some football. I don't know. Did we? Did we? This is my New York Jets hat. Seriously. <laughs> okay. so, Anyhow, what else happened? Russ Cohen, member of the Todd Bowles and Rex and and uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, fan club. I, I do see. Um, yeah, well, let, 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 we'll just touch briefly on this because I know everybody's here watch, to watch, uh, to talk and watch about hockey. But um, the Bills, and I see this is the thing. Everybody is euphoric in Buffalo right now because, oh, my God, we beat the Pats. You beat the Pats without Brady. Right. You know, that's not. And there's also these Rex Ryan quotes now that lead you to believe that they may have done a little snooping before the game. And if they did. He needs to answer for those quotes. He does. If nothing else, Roger Goodell needs to be fair here. And for the same – Bill Belichick came out with these remarks. The next day there would be a tribunal. They need to actually call Rex Ryan into New York now and have him answer for these quotes. Apparently Rex, apparently Rex said he was just, he was just joshing. He was I know, but you can't put that out there like that. I know, I know. I, well, come, this I, is the problem I, with Rex Ryan. Yes, he's a buffoon. And the thing yeah. was – you know, in the post-game press conference, it was like, um, "Oh, we're going to move on from this game and move forward." He basically like pretended he was Belichick and used some of the phraseology that. Yeah. I mean, just you know, be gracious in victory and he move can't on. Do it. He doesn't know how to do it. No, no, and 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 you know, I mean, let's let's just say this, fans of and the thing is, people may not believe this because I attacked this team mercilessly. I'm you know, I'm a lifelong Bills fan, but I've got scar tissue because this organization has been so stupid for the last 20 years. Um, hiring coaches who are, don't belong, uh, spending millions of dollars on quarterbacks like Ryan Fitzpatrick who stink. Um, they, they drafted E.J. Manuel in the first round, throwing away a first round pick. I, I actually don't think Tyrod Taylor is a bad quarterback, but they lose Sammy Watkins probably for the year. They go out and they beat New England in New England without Tom Brady, and Rex Ryan is talking trash. Just shut up. I know. He, he just doesn't know how to do it. It's, it's ridiculous in that regard. Although I think the world enjoyed seeing Bill Belichick throw his Microsoft Surface. That was a good commercial for Microsoft Surface. It didn't well. If it didn't break, yeah, it's a great commercial for them. It chose it didn't just break, but he did. He gave it a nice toss, man. Yeah. Well, and apparently there was apparently there was some pregame uh, shenanigans. I mean, I guess the, the the quarterback from New England was like standing like near where the the Bills defensive backfield was going through their drills mm -hmm. and sort of like tr you know trying to get a, an indication and the Bills defensive backs went at him and there was a there was a pregame scrum it, it's basically like the hockey the, the football equivalent of a, yeah. of a fight in the more in, in the pregame skate. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's no more than that. You know, as far as baseball, um, I just did my show, The Game. People could check it out. It's up on uh, Blog Talk Radio. But I did pick the Mets and the Orioles. I didn't pick the Mets because I am a Met fan. I picked the Mets because everybody said last year they couldn't beat the Cubs. They did. They had a lot of home runs at home. And even though Baumgartner is not a guy that's going to give up a lot, if they get two or three with their defense and pitching, that's a, that's a lot for them to get. And so – I like their chances. I like the Orioles' chances, too, because the whole world's going to pick the Blue Jays. But the Orioles, all they do is throw strikes, play defense, and get timely hitting. So we'll see. Well, 
complete difference of the two wildcard matchups. First of all, I have to slam the Detroit Tigers. How can you go to Atlanta against the worst team in Major League Baseball, either them or the Minnesota Twins, and and give up two games to the Atlanta Braves when your playoff fate I mean, this should have been – it could have been a three-way tie. And Verlander pitched like a one-run game, and they couldn't score two runs against Atlanta? Wow. It's it, – I mean – And they still would have had to play today. We do have to point that out, but yeah, still. They you know, had to play Cleveland, but Cleveland would have probably pitched a triple-A pitcher because, they, because they're lining up their rotation for uh, the playoffs to start yeah. late week. So I don't think they would – not to say that they would have laid down, but I don't think they would have wasted – you know, they have very few quality starters as it is because of injury, so they wouldn't have taken – you know, pitched somebody out of out of rotation just to just to beat Detroit. Yep. But, yeah, we have, uh, we have Baltimore, Toronto, and we have the Mets in San Francisco at City Field. And the funny thing is, completely two different scenarios here with these two wildcard games. You got – sorry about that. My phone's ringing. We we got two completely different scenarios with these wildcard games. With San Francisco, New York, you got Ace versus Ace, Cindergard versus Madison Baumgartner, and that's going to be. I mean, and it could be. You know, there could be offense in that game, but it probably is going to be a very tight game. You know, I think it'll be a tight game. I I think that Cindergard has learned how to pitch like throw more strikes and not try and be too perfect. He had a little trouble earlier this year. He throws the hardest in the league. San Fran does not have the best lineup. They do have some dangerous hitters, but they don't have the best lineup. They just have to get to Bumgarner a little bit. I know the Mets are, are lefty heavy. They're going to probably do something about that. And I like their chances. We'll see what happens. Hey, they have to fly across the country. They'll have, you know, they'll have some break before the game. But they still have to, you know, it's a little bit harder for them. So, what is it, Wednesday or Tuesday? It's Wednesday. If it were Tuesday, it would be a lot harder. But Wednesday, it's, it's just a little harder. That's all. Yeah, I, I think that the cross country thing, the edge is sort of taken off of that by the extra day. So, I, yes. I don't think that's going to be really a distinct advantage. No, I agree. But the other one, Baltimore and Toronto, the two teams don't even know who the starter is going to be. According to Toronto Radio this morning, it could be. Uh, Francisco Lariano, who they got from Pittsburgh, it could be Marcus Stroman. Uh, apparently, they, you know, Lariano is in the mix because he's pitched well for the Blue Jays since they got him from Pittsburgh, and Baltimore is terrible against left-handed pitching. But you know what? They talked up Marcus Stroman like he was going to be the number one guy yeah. when David Price left for Boston. And if they choose a rental in Lariano over Stroman. That's a commentary. And, you know, first of all, Stroman had a terrible year this year. I think his ERA, if if, if his ERA ended up over five, if it was under five, it was barely. Um, you know, so he didn't ha he did not have a good year. He did not take the you know take the mantle of uh, of David Price as the number one starter. Jay Happ actually did that, and you know he's been inconsistent. So I wouldn't blame uh, I wouldn't blame their manager to go to go to Liriano, but I think. I think it would wound Stroman if, if they didn't go with him in that game. I would say the one edge that Baltimore has is that Sanchez went yesterday. That's a huge edge. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and Estrada has been up and down. And, I mean, if you know, and I, I, I'm not sure if that game's Tuesday or Wednesday. Tuesday. It's Tuesday? Okay. And that, that takes half out of it. I don't think they would yep. be saving half. Uh, that's why I like Baltimore's chances. Really – Toronto can't throw their two best pitchers. That's what the and, end of the day. And if you get to the bullpen, 
I mean, Toronto lost one of their better eighth inning, lost one of their depth guys in Joaquin Benoit. Their bullpen is not good, and Baltimore's actually is. The problem with Baltimore is they don't know who the starter is going to be. There, there's some right. speculation it might be Obaldo, Obaldo Jimenez, and I'm like, right. oh, goodness. And so, you know, it's going to be interesting. So we're going to have baseball to look at. We're going to have – you know, football, you know. For, and hockey's you know, ramping up. We're going to get to ramping up. I, I, I was at two preseason games this this weekend, and I will talk about that before we get into our team previews. We're going to talk about the, the Buffalo Sabres, who I saw on uh, Friday night lose 8-1, which is, you know, I'm, I'm sure the Maple Leafs would have loved to have saved some of those eight goals for regular season games uh, in, in, in Buffalo because they never score here when it really counts, and the New York Rangers. But let's get started. Um Hello, Hockey World. Today is Monday, October 3rd, 2016. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Uh, Jillian, Russ, and I will be back tomorrow with more team previews. Uh, I think we're going to talk about the Flyers, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the Washington Capitals tomorrow. But we'll talk about some of the news of, on the weekend um, to start. Now, this isn't a big thing, but it was notable because on the heels of Kyle Quincy signing a one-year deal with New Jersey and Dennis Seidenberg catching on with the Islanders, um, Erhoff's name, had Christian Erhoff, former Sabre, former Penguin, former San Jose, Vancouver, um, his name was coming up because he played for Team Europe. You know, he didn't play badly. You know, he could maybe fit in as a five or six. And the Boston Bruins were the team that bit and brought him in on a PTO. Now, Russ, I, I'm a little puzzled because I know that Tory Krug is, you know, he may not start the season. Yeah, he's not starting the season. Yeah, and there's, you know, there, there definitely is some weakness there with, with the Bruins, but they do have young players that I thought they would be willing to give a chance to fill the gap, but apparently they want to, they want, they're opting on the side of caution and a veteran player. Or they're bringing them in to push the young players. It's, it's, it, you don't know. I just saw them play against the Flyers. They, um, they, you know, like did, they did beat them in a preseason game. I don't even care when I'm watching these games. I don't even care about the outcome. Uh, but what I did see was a pretty mediocre defense, even in that game. I thought O'Gara played okay, but he also um, had a bad penalty too. So I think this is just to sort of push the young guys. I think O'Gara does have some sort of chance of making the team and, and maybe a Grizzlick, but we'll see. I mean, they don't have a great defense. It's possible he can make it. Right now, with defense in the NHL, it's sort of like running backs in the NFL and, and pitching – in, in Major League Baseball where guys continually hang on, make comebacks, hang on, because mm -hmm. it's an important position. Like running backs, you could say, has been sort of deregulated in the NHL and it's not as important, but you still have to have somebody run the ball or it doesn't work. And so sometimes these older guys can come in and still get a job at a part-time basis. Same thing, with, same thing with pitching. You always see these old pitchers making comebacks especially yeah. relief pitchers, but sometimes starters too, you know. And then, again, in hockey now, we're seeing a lot of defensemen who are way past it, mm -hmm. not age-wise, but mileage and otherwise, constantly getting invited into camps. Like, Wisniewski just got cut. 
Yeah, that was one I was going to bring up because it was a little surprising. And, you know, Tampa Bay, I know that their defense is pretty deep, but they, you know, they bought out Matt Carroll. And when they invited Wisniewski on a PTO, I thought, okay, if he's got anything left, if his knee is close to 100%, if he can play, that's a that's a real good get for Tampa. I mean, I don't know how much he, he would have been asking for in terms of a one-year deal, but you know, he. I, the, all I know is in, in in early July, the rumors were out there that he was looking for a one-year deal. He was looking for that you know two to three million dollar range on a one-year deal. Didn't get it. He took the PTO, and now he gets released by Tampa, which to me, Russ, means. He's got to be done. His knee is not a hundred percent. Yeah, it seems it doesn't seem like it's you know the right time for him. Maybe when he's a hundred percent healthy, he'll make one more go at it. But it's not a good sign for his career, that's for sure. And this is a pretty quick like we've decided you have you haven't made the team. Like he didn't even make it to the end of preseason, right? So that's yeah. No, that's I mean bad. this this was I mean. You know there were a few PTOs this weekend that were let go, but they were the guys that you thought didn't really have a chance to catch on, like Zach Boychuk in, in Arizona. Wisniewski was a guy I thought that the, the that the Lightning would be, you know, biding their time with, give him give him all the chance that he would have to to make the team go go to the last the last preseason game, and they didn't. They here's the one thing I've learned, and we were talking about this in the press box, me, Anthony, a few of the other guys. The NHL now decides, or the game, I should say. It's not the NHL. It's the game. The game now decides whether you're good enough to still be in it. And sometimes the game basically retires you. And we're going to talk about another player in a minute where the game has definitely retired that person. And that's what happens here. I mean, the game is just at such a high speed. You can't make mistakes. You have to have some offense in it. There are like four or five things that you have to do now or – you don't even see the ice anymore, just the way it is. Yeah, I mean, you get exposed pretty quickly. Yeah. If you're not, if your reaction time isn't good enough, if you're a defenseman and you don't turn well to one side, yeah. you know, all these little things. And there's a book, there's a book on players, just like there's a book on hitters in baseball yes. or quarterbacks in football. There's a book on players, uh, and you know they. they and with video study and all that other it's very easy to target some weak spots in a lineup. Now, a couple defensemen, like like you mentioned, and we saw both of them last year and said that the game had passed them by. And, you know, it, I think this was more the symbolic, you know, wait till a certain point and announce that they're being retired. You know, the, 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 sort of like the one-day contract thing with, uh, you know, that they, do, that they do with baseball or do any place. Um, Dan Boyle. Um, is being acknowledged by the San Jose Sharks, and he's announcing his retirement. Yeah, I was gonna say he's probably not signing a one-day contract with the Rangers. No, no, they'd be afraid. They'd be afraid that it'd be on their cap. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Barrett Jackman, I'm pretty sure Barrett Jackman is with the Blues because that's where he won the yeah the Calder. Uh, I think it was 2002. Right. Yeah. Now here's the question. Yeah. With the game the way it is now. Would he have won the Calder if he walked into the league now as a 20-year-old or a 21-year-old or a 22-year-old? I say no. Like, I don't even know how much he – he would be able to play, but he wouldn't even have been that impactful, I don't think. Well, it's it's really strange. It's, a, I mean, really, really strange how so quickly within the span, I would say, of two years that the 
stay-at-home defenseman has become obsolete. Done at every level. Remember, yeah. we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. It's not even just at the at the NHL level now. It's every level. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there. Okay, there. I'd say five years ago, there was definitely it was definitely still a commodity that you wanted. A, a guy like Rob Scuderi was getting a big free agent contract or you know, back even a few more years, a guy like Mike Commissarek in Toronto, you know, he got the big deal. You know, Jay McKee, the shot blocker. You know, Hal Gill would never Hal even Gill. see the ice now. Yeah, I mean, it's even if they're big, you know, uh, even if they're six foot seven, they have to be mobile. And that's, it's funny, take, going back to the Bruins with the, with the Airhoff situation, I mean, is this, an, is Airhoff being brought in because, I mean, okay, we know that Krug is injured, he may not start the season, but it's, I don't know how, how long, if it's going to be a week or two, or if it's longer, we, we you know, we not, don't know for sure. Um, they have John Michael Lyles, who can, even though he's a veteran guy who can still move, but Chara, in the World Cup, some people thought he was exposed as, you know, maybe he's lost even another step. And, you know, it did look that way, I'll have to admit. The, 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 I mean, the reach is still there. The But if he can't move, then he's just a big statue, and they can skate around him. And if that's the case, then, you know, he's got another two years left in his contract. He's got one more year over seven, I think. Uh, and then the uh, then the, he had a one-year extension. He's making about $4 million. So, you know, they may be bringing in Airhoff just simply so they don't have to give as many minutes to Chara while Krug is out. It's possible. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, Dan, I mean, Dan Boyle in New York, I mean, it was painful. We watched it happening year to year with him. And you knew when he signed that deal. I didn't know the game would change this much, but I knew when that deal was signed that that last year would be an awful year. You just knew it. Well, and the thing was that in you know he wasn't the stay-at-home guy. He no, was, he was the offensive guy. But yeah. the thing was, he lost step. And once he lost a step, you know he still had those offensive instincts. But he, he did, and on the power play, still could do it. And once in a while, could still walk in and take a shot and get a goal. He did get some goals. Right. But you're right. Everything else, uh-uh. And Barrett Jackman was the number six in Nashville. He was you know that veteran hole plugger. And he signed, and he had a, I think, believe he had a one-year deal with them. They didn't re-sign him, and they brought in Matt Carl, and he's now the the number six veteran yeah. goalkeeper. And Matt Carl's hanging on because he is a very good skater. He is. I mean, good skater, good puck mover. Still could be better with puck security and all that. But, but here's the thing. So, like in the NFL, and this is where like sort of like my Jets frustration comes in. But this is where. The NHL, a lot of the teams have gotten smart. When you're drafting guys now, you have to sort of draft a guy that's right for the league, right? You, you, and you don't know when the league's going to change. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you get a player four years ago, and then all of a sudden he's just not great for the league, and, and that's not your fault, right? That's something that you couldn't see in a crystal ball. But as an example, like, like the Jets took Calvin Pryor in the first round, and he is a hitter, and, and he's being asked to sort of cover, right? And he's being exposed left and right yesterday, like three plays. He literally fell down on a play, but in other plays, he couldn't do it. He made one good hit, and then he had one hit to the head, and he's out, right? And that's sort of what the defensive defenseman is now. They get exposed that they're out there. They might get one or two cracks at a guy where it's a big hit. But even coaches now, when you start talking to coaches and say, hey, he played physical, whatever, even coaches now acknowledge 
yeah, that one hit in the game might be something. Elaine Vigneault said that in response to Dylan McElrath. Like, hey, that one hit in the game or might change momentum temporarily, but it's just not enough now. You have to you have to offer a lot more than that. And I'm not saying McElrath doesn't. I'm just using that physical part as an example where it's nice to be physical. That used to be the number one requirement of the position. Now it's just, well, after you can move the puck and after you can make that first pass and after you can skate well, we hope that you're physical too. <laughs> um, some some news uh, just coming over the wire here for, for Leaf fans. I know I just wanted to mention uh, Austin Matthews' debut last night against Montreal at the ACC that I was, I was at the game. Um, Nikita Shashnikov, who played with the Marlies and the Leafs, Last year, um, they've shut him down temporarily because of a hamstring injury. He's been he hasn't participated in training camp at all, so looks like he's going to be on the uh, IR to start the season, and then would uh, be activated with the Marlies. Yeah, um, that's you know one of the benefits that they have. They have a lot of forwards who can go up and down that yeah. are over exempt. So, but I mean, I, I think eventually he'll be back. <laughs> With uh, Shashnikov is durability. He's you know he's a guy who does not shy away from going into corners and working the puck and working along the boards. But he's not a big guy, so he takes a lot of abuse. So right. um, uh, the other interesting bit of news is Frederick Anderson, who's been out since before the World Cup. Uh, he got injured in a uh, Olympic uh, qualifying tournament. He participated in practice today and will start for the Leafs against Ottawa in their exhibition game in Saskatoon uh, tomorrow. So the uh-huh. Leaf fans will get a first look at, at Frederick Anderson. Um, going to the game last Why night. Why are they in Saskatoon? Where are they playing? Well, um, I, I, the funny thing is, is they only play. They're only playing one game. They only played one game at the ACC, uh, and that was last night. Uh, they played in Halifax. They played in St. Catharines. They, they're playing a game at uh, what used to be Cops Coliseum in Hamilton. Okay. In Saskatoon. So they're doing the tour of Canada. Maybe it has something okay. to do with the centennial uh, celebration. I know, and I, I believe Mike Babcock is from Saskatoon. So that yes, might, he is, I believe. That might have something to do with it as well. Okay. Um, but last night was the debut on, uh, on Air Canada Center ice of Austin Matthews, um, did not score a point, was plus two in the game, but there were a few oohs and ahs, Russ, and Leaf fans are excited. I mean, I, the, you know, you could, there was only 10,000 people in the, in the building, which I was a little surprised with, but it was a Sunday night, um, you know. People have to get to Bay Street in the morning, you know? Yeah, well, yeah, true, but, uh, but he played very well. Um, there, there's a, a video snippet out there that I'm gonna put in my in my blog where he goes around uh, Sergachev, the the really good defenseman from Windsor, goes around him like he's standing still. He did a. He's couple gonna of- do that to a lot of good defensemen. Yeah, and you know, so I mean, he, he, and the one thing I picked up on, and I and I, I don't mean to to harp, you know, harp on this, but that evaluation of Austin Matthews in e, on ESPN earlier in, in, the, in the summer that rated him below Patrick Laine based on his ability to win battles along the boards and his defensive instinct. And we attacked that. You and I did. Yes, and, and last night, I mean, if anybody watched that game, any time a defenseman went into, uh, you know, took the puck and pinched, Matthews was back. This is a 19-year-old kid. He was back every single time. Now, he wasn't perfect, right. but he 
but his instincts were good, and I, 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 I just think that was sort of it was off base. I think I think Line A will score more goals this year, but I don't. I think sure. in terms of being a two-way player, I think Matthews is going to be the better of the the better of the two as a two-way player. Um, Mitch Marner played well, and uh, Nikita Zaitsev scored uh, in his first game as well. It, you know, we'll talk about the Leafs later in the week doing their doing their preview. Um, the euphoria is already starting in Toronto. Well, I, this team might be able to make the playoffs. I'm like, oh, geez. slow your roll, please, please. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think I, Leaf fans, after after two years of this team being dreadful and boring and unexciting, they have a reason to be excited now. With well, there's at least there's no Corey Crosses on the line in the lineup. I mean, but here's the thing. I, I look at it this way. With Matthews, like I was asked on SiriusXM today, and people can go to Audio Boom if they want and for Sportsology and see the interview, read it, listen to it. Thank you. Um, but the point is, I don't think Matthews is like awestruck with Toronto. I don't think he is going to be bothered by the media. I don't think he's going to be in a deer in the headlights if he makes a mistake. This kid is very deadpan and focused about his career, and he is – dealt with a lot of media before and I don't think any of this is going to matter to him and that's why I think he's a great pick for this team because it's not going to affect him now as Zaitsev I've seen what happens to Russian defensemen when the season starts and the communication and the difference in play and there's going to be some hiccups for him you guarantee it well there, there will be but the one benefit was he played in that building for two weeks with team Russia right he speaks English fluently yes so Communicate so he got a two-week preview at playing on the North American ice surface, and he the communication is better there than somebody who just came over from the KHL and yes. and can say yes and no. So I mean I I think that there's there does that mean he's going to jump in and be an NHL All Star? Of course not, but it does mean that the the settling in that normally happens with a Russian player, you know, it's not going to happen or it's not going to be as dramatic right. as it normally is. So I you know and he looked. He looked really good last night. He played. They they used him as you know they were playing a one three one power play with one defenseman and Zaitsev was the defenseman. So he looked completely at home and he scored a goal in his first game. Uh, you know I think you know what will be interesting with this guy is he's an RFA after one year and if he puts up good numbers he's going to expect to get paid or he'll threaten to or he'll go back. Yeah, yeah, he'll threaten to go back to the KHL and I, you know the Leafs will have a lot of money so. Available, so they can do that. But um, one thing about Johnny Goudreau, then we'll get into our team previews. Um, Goudreau, okay, the report came out over the weekend that Goudreau was not, as opposed to what Jacob Truba did, is not requesting a trade from Calgary. But in this article that was on, I believe, NHL.com, it indicated that, or no, it was on Sportsnet, excuse me. Uh, it indicated that his agent had not been contacted by the Cal by the, by the Flames since early September. So right now, Russ, there's sort of, sort of a, a Mexican standoff or a stare down going on here right now. Yeah. And I, I just think, you know, I I'm mean, surprised about the contact. I mean, maybe during the World Cup, I sort of get it. But like right after the World Cup ended, you would think they would have swooped in. So now it does lead me to believe that he's going to get a bridge deal just because I don't think he's going to hold out for the season. And, and I think, I think push comes to shove, he's going to get a bridge deal and they're going to say, 
he'll probably say, I'll negotiate during the year up to this point and then probably shut it down for the year. That's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, I mean, that would uh, to me, that would be surrender. I mean, it depends on how – I mean, right now it seems that – He doesn't really have leverage if you think about it. No. You could say he does because he's a 75-point scorer and he's a great this and that, but the team holds all the cards. Yeah, I mean, his, le- his, le- his leverage is not – is just denying the Flames his services. I mean, there's no possibility of an offer sheet because he only played two full years. And he want and he clearly from the statements that he made, he wants to stay in Calgary. So he's trying to keep it on, you know, try to keep it on an even keel and, and keep things, yeah, you know, on a good level. But it does prove the point that he doesn't want out of Calgary. Like it sounds like if they offered him an eight-year deal, he'd take it. Right, but he just doesn't want from the reports. I mean, Eric Francis from the Calgary Sun reported, and it's been re-reported often that his camp wants $8 million. Now, he's probably not going to get $8 million. No. But Calgary is basically offering him, or the report says that Calgary is offering him the same amount of money as Monaghan. Now, he's a year older than Monaghan, and, you know, I I, – I mean, I th- I think they want to give him the eight-year deal, but if the if the difference is one point seven million dollars, you know, I mean, maybe they meet somewhere in the middle, but I don't think they want to pay Johnny Goudreau seven million dollars. That's the thing. It's like they think they want to get him under seven, and that's you know, here's here's the thing. I mean, we've talked about the contract, but what I didn't talk about the last time is Calgary has to be that team to overpay to keep guys because they don't have a winning tradition. Yeah. They're sort of out on the outskirts. They might be in a very good hockey city, but at the end of the day, you're not that marketable if you're in Calgary. Sean Monahan does not get marketed to the NHL very well. A lot of people probably don't even know who Sean Monahan is. He's getting paid well, so he's okay with that. But Johnny Goudreau is not going to have a lot of endorsements other than what he does for Team USA. That's where he'll probably get endorsements. And so he has to make top dollar there. I get it. And that's where Calgary is going to have to realize – Listen, we're not an upper echelon team yet. We have a lot of pieces, but until we prove it, we've got to get guys to get other guys. See, the pro- the problem the problem is is that all general managers now are using comparables. Yeah. And when Nathan McKinnon signs for six point three, and I think we can say that Nathan McKinnon is l- at least the equal and maybe better. Than Johnny Goudreau because you know I think he's I think he's better because I think while while they're both really good players I think now this physical edge that we see that McKinnon has with the strength puts him ahead of Goudreau and he's a little bigger too we have to always say that it's just it's just the way it is mm-hmm. and he's also a center right. Goudreau is not a center and Monahan Monahan maybe he's equal as a player but he's he's a big center and that's where. Okay, these these teams and these players are slotted in, and Goudreau goes and asks for eight, and they say, "Well, we're paying centers six, six centers and players who are better six point three. So us get you giving you six point three, you know, that's that to the to their minds, that's that's right. That's where it belongs. Yeah. So I mean, that's a and and that's see that's what's going on as well." With with the defensemen right now, I mean Ristolainen and the Sabers. I know that Ristolainen is practicing with them, but he's, but he's still, not playing. He's not playing. He still hasn't signed the deal, and 
his camp apparently is looking for something closer to Aaron Eckblad than they are to Seth Jones and Morgan Riley. So you got Lindholm, you got Truba, we know we've talked about that ad nauseum, and we got Ristolainen, and they're all looking for money over $6 million, and these teams want to pay them what Riley and what Seth Jones got. And those are, I mean, especially Riley. I mean, that's a sweetheart deal for Toronto and you know, Lou yeah. Lamorello. I'm sure that uh, some agents are not too happy at Lou Lamorello for setting the marketplace with Morgan Ryan. That's what Lou does. I mean, that's Lou gets good value. Lou knows what to do. He's good at his job. He knows how to do that. And Calgary now, has, you know, Bradshaw Living has his work cut out. This is the biggest challenge he's had, I think, since he's been the GM, if you think about it. Yeah, and I mean, I, right now, I mean, I, I obviously, I think the the GM that has the most uh, challenge is uh, is is uh, Kevin Shoveldey off in Winnipeg. I mean, sure, but I, I I think just for his perspective, it's a huge challenge. I mean, think about it this way: Calgary is also that team that's been drafting great, and now these guys are coming due to get paid. Mm -hmm. This is what happens. They've got two really good goalies in the system. You know, they have John Gillies and Mason McDonald. At some point, they're going to have to get paid like Tampa. This is what I always talked about. If you're not trading these assets and you're letting them sort of mature or like a, you know, like an IRA come to term, well, then, you know, you've got to live up to the, uh, to the bargain of it. And this is the tough part of the game now with the salary cap yeah. and with the salary cap not being that high. All right, let's start our, our team previews. First one, we'll go with the team that I watched on Friday, the Buffalo Sabres. Um, last year was their first year under Dan Bilesma. They go 35, 36, 4, and 7, 81 points. Um, you know, they ended up with the eighth pick in the draft and took uh, uh, William Nylander's little brother, Alex. Who's taller. Uh, who's, a, who's a very good young player <laughs> and probably will get uh, some good seasoning in the American Hockey League. Yeah. Um, the Sabers added Kyle Oposo in free agency, um, and tr made a trade for Dmitry Kulikov. And it's funny because we were talking about about uh, defense and about teams who are thin on defense. It always seems that whatever area of a team that is weak, there's always injuries to that area that make that area weaker. And that may have happened on Friday because Dmitry Kulikov got hit into the boards in the third period. Uh, Colin Greening of the Leafs hit him, and at the Toronto bench where the door was opening. And that's dangerous, man. And and he was in a lot of pain uh, on the ice for a while, and got taken to the locker room, and did not return. I haven't heard an update on his status, but if he's out a significant period, and this is a guy they brought in, they traded uh, Mark Pizik to Florida to bring in Kulikov. Kulikov's in the last year of his contract, and I'm thinking they, you know, they brought him in. He's going to be playing for the for his next deal, and they were expecting him to step up and be either a top pairing or a top four guy. And if he's out for a significant period of time, that's going to really hurt the Sabres. But let's, let's just go through the Sabres here uh, in terms of... And, and defense is the bugaboo. Yes. I mean, defense is the air, and, and the thing is, it's compounded by the problem, as we just mentioned. Yeah. Lanen is is right now holding out. He's he's trying to keep things uh, on a friendly level with the Sabers. Like I said, he's practicing with the team, but and with Kulikov hurt, you now have to have Zach Bogosian running the power play. 
Yeah, or Cody, or Cody or Franzen, one or the other. It'll be Franzen or Bogosian or both, right? They'll both maybe be on the power play. But the idea is Kulikov was brought in as a power play guy and a defenseman and Ristolainen too. And that's – if they don't have those guys to start the season, that's going to hurt them. Yeah, and it also means that a, uh, a journeyman like Justin Falk, not the Carolina Justin Falk. No, the one who played for the Rangers and Jackets and right. – yeah that Justin Falk will be in their top six and they'll probably have to be, you know, somebody from Rochester, um, you know, a, uh, it could, or maybe they keep Brendan Gooley, their, their second round pick from, yeah. you know, he, he's, he's got some promise, but he hasn't stood out as much as he did the uh, last year before he got, uh, put to sleep by Dion Phaneuf in a game in Buffalo. Yeah. They've got an issue. So th there's an issue on defense. Yeah, there's an, an issue on defense, and there's a little bit of an issue in goal. I mean, yes. that's not reflective of the game on Friday because they didn't. They played Jason Kasdorf and a goalie named John Muse, who I'd never heard of before. And Is when, he from the band Muse? No, well, no, no. <laughs> Honest, honestly, Russ, when they put when they announced his name, I swore that they said John Hughes. So when when I think it was Casper Kapanen scored early in the second period, I uh, so said, you thought it was going to he would have like a Breakfast Club mask. I, I you know I they, somebody corrected me in, on on uh, Twitter and said it was Muse, and I said sorry, I watched the Breakfast Club the night before, so Muse <laughs> was on my brain. But okay, so I mean it's going to be Robin Leonard, and the backup is probably going to be Anders Nilsson because they'll let uh, Linus Olmark uh, play in Rochester and play all the time. Um, Nilsson's a capable backup, He's, but I think yeah. that they're depending on Leonard uh, to carry the bulk, play 55 to 60. To reach his potential. To reach his potential. And that, see, that's the thing. He's never been able to stay healthy. Yeah. He, and, and I know that the reports are that he's come into camp in much better shape, that he lost 30 pounds. He was working, like doing MMA during the summer, and he's in much better shape. But that, I mean, if the Sabres have any kind of legitimate chance of, of contending for a playoff spot, they're going to need Leonard to – and Leonard played well at times last year when he was yeah. healthy, but he got hurt in the first game. He was out for th easily three months, and Chad Johnson and Allmark had to pick up the pieces, and then he came back and he played well, and then he got hurt at the end of the season. So they need him to stay healthy. They do, and, you know – this is a big chance for Leonard here. He's really got to come through. I have faith in him, and I think he can come through. I am also going to feel bad, though, if he's starting off the year and the defense is like half of what it should be. Right. He's going to have to be a savior. And he's, you know, he's only got another year on a contract. He's an RFA after this year. If he has a big year, then I think the Sabres will pay him. And if he doesn't, then he may be relegated to, that. you know, in the minds of some general managers to be a guy who's a backup. Yeah. I mean, he's 25 and this is usually the age where if it's all going to kick in, it will kick in. So I hope it does. I think it might. Now where this team is strongest and if they're going to make it, if they're going to challenge, it's going to be based on the strength of their forwards up the middle. They're very strong. You know, you have Eichel as your number one center. You have Ryan O'Reilly as your number two center. Um, you've got a, a decent third line guy. If they use Johan Larson as a, as a, as a third line center, they've got a number of guys who can, who can move into the middle. Ennis has played center at times, but I think they yep. want to keep him on the wing. Gergensen's can play center. Um, I, you know, they bring in a Poso, but to me, Russ, 
this season comes down to can they get something out of Evander Kane and can Tyler Innes stay healthy? I was thinking the exact same thing. The whole season seems to be hinging on this because Innes is a big player for them, could be a big point producer for them if he doesn't have concussion issues, and Kane has to you know, score 30 goals. If he scores 20 goals again for what he's getting paid, he's not really earning his keep. He's not because on this team – he needs to do more than that. And he is capable of doing more than that. But again, until we see it, I yeah. don't know what to say. And all the off the ice stuff will go away in a sense if he performs on the ice. Now, interestingly enough, Molson seemed to, um, I don't know, he won a shootout the other day, maybe seems to be do you know looking a little better. We'll see if we get anything out of Matt Molson. Yeah, I, I mean, that was a dreadful game. Uh, and, you know, the, really – he wasn't noticeable. He's always been good in shootouts. So right. Um, but I, I heard, I, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that he played on Friday. That's how unnoticeable he was. If he did play, I didn't notice him. And if he didn't play, then that's the reason I didn't notice him. I mean, Reinhardt will be a big player. Wouldn't shock me if he's on second or third in a team in scoring. Wouldn't shock well, me at all. I, I think they're going to keep that because that that was the combo that worked. They kept Reinhardt on the wing with Eichel. Yeah, and, and Reinhardt's smart. He yeah. he snips out plays at the net. Yes. He's really good with getting in rebounds and putting them on net. Yeah. Like he's really great in those dirty areas, and I think that is a smart matchup. Yeah. Look, and, uh, Hudson Fashing. Hudson Fashing has got a chance to make the team. Yep. Um, I think that what they're going to do is you're going to have that number one line, and it's probably going to be Kane with Eichel and Reinhardt, and then your number two line is probably O'Reilly with a Pozo, and you know maybe an Innis, maybe. You know, Gergensen's. I'm not sure where where that you know who fits in on that second line. They've got some guys, you know, a guy like a Marcus Foligno has got size, but I don't know if he's right. got scoring ability to play top six. Well, Gergensen's going to have to probably be the second line guy. Yeah, um, and and then you've got decent role player. I mean, Gianta's a veteran guy. You've yeah. got you know Larson and uh, and um, uh, Delorier's a pretty good player. Delorier is a big body. So Baptiste, if he could make the team, is another guy who not only is big but can skate very well. I don't know how much you'd put the puck in the net. He he might be able to. I, I think that I think the guy who could make it, um, it, it makes he may get sent down early, but could come back is Justin Bailey. Justin Bailey. Bailey's another big athletic guy. Good speed with you know he's. My issue with Bailey was his motor. Can he keep it going all game? Well, that's – I think that's – see, that's the thing. I think if they send him down, that will give him the motivation to get going. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know what kind of camp he's having, but he's got the physical tools. He's got the measurables. There's no question. And I know they're high on him because I talked to – you know, I've talked to some of their scouts before many times about Bailey. This is a pretty good team. It's got size in a society. It's probably one of the bigger teams in the league. If you think about it forward-wise – I still don't think right now with what they're starting the season with and everything else that they're a playoff team. They could surprise you and, and get hot and make the playoffs. But just on the on the look of them, I don't see them as a playoff team just yet. Yeah, Casey Nelson is probably the defenseman who steps in because he played yeah. – he's probably the guy who steps in uh, as a number six if, if Kulikov is hurt and if uh, if Ristolainen is still holding out. But I, I agree. I think they'll be over 500. I don't think they'll. I think they'll be like eight to ten points within the playoff race, but that's you know that that means eleventh or twelfth in the Eastern Conference and not ninth. Or right. Not. 
So I think they'll be better. I just don't think they'll be good enough because they're too, everything would have to go right. No sophomore slumps. All the defensemen playing great. Leonard playing out of his mind. Everything would have to go right for them to to challenge for a playoff spot. And I think that's that's too much to hope for. So I think they're going to be that's on a the lot outside. to hope for. I'll say that they're going to be on the outside looking in. But I think they're better, and I think they're on the right, right track. Um, switching to the New York Rangers. Uh, Rangers lose in the first round to the eventual Stanley Cup champion Pittsburgh Penguins last year. Record of 46-27-7-2. Um, you know, Russ, I mean, we've said this on the on the webcast before. This is a team, if there's a if there's a team on an upward track and a team on a downward track, the Rangers look like they're on a downward track. Now they've made some interesting moves in the offseason. Um, but the, like the more interesting are the moves that they didn't make. They didn't trade Rick Nash. Um, uh, some people thought that there was a possibility that they would. I actually think that they made a pretty good move with trading uh, Derek Broussard in the deal for Zabinis. Yes. I think I, I to me that's a you know that I mean that's as much a product of Ottawa being a fiscally responsible organization. Um, you know because they. Uh, the, front-loaded money on... But it's also a future move for the Rangers because Zabanajad is a bigger guy. He's a faster guy. Right now, Broussard's the better scorer, but Zabanajad's got a rocket of a shot, and people are starting to see that now, Ranger fans that hadn't seen him previously. So I think there's um there's some optimism with that move for sure. I did just see something that's interesting. So Josh Juris and Nate Gerby, if they don't make the Rangers have options in Switzerland. And if you remember, I was telling you that there's going to be some odd men out at, at the forward position for them. Well, that may be the, the way they're going to do it because they pretty much have to use Buchnevich at forward. Like, they, if they don't, he's going back, right? So they're going to have to try him out. Now, BC's been terrific. BC right. was the best guy in Travers. He looks good right now. I don't know exactly what line he's going to play on, but he's going to make the team and deserve it. So, and so now it's what's Pavel Buchnevich going to do? That's a really big deal. Well, the question is, I mean, is there? I, there are some players who were signed from the KHL that had that return clause that if they didn't make the NHL, they could go back to the KHL that they didn't want to go to the American Hockey League. So, does he have that clause in his contract? And does that mean that he gets he gets to go back to Russia if he doesn't make the Rangers? I mean, if that's the case, then that may give him a leg up on somebody like Nathan Gerby. I think so. I think he can go back. We'll just see. I mean, I'm going to watch him tonight. I'll I'll see him tonight against the Flyers. We'll see what he can produce. I've seen him a little bit this year, and I haven't seen enough of what I used to see when he would play in the World Juniors or at the junior, you know, at the KHL level. So. The jury's still out on what, what he's going to do this year, but they have to use him. And so that's going to take up a roster spot. Brandon Peary has clearly made the team. He always looks great in preseason. He is capable of scoring 20 goals. So he's making the team. And that's what I'm saying. So now when you start figuring out lines, mm -hmm. you know, it's a good problem for them to have. But Peary has to really play an all-around game because he really is not great defensively. And that's going to be a tough one. You might have to put Peary with, like, JT Miller – to sort of make up for that. And JT Miller has gotten better defensively and, and definitely more physical. And so maybe that's the, the combination there. We'll, we'll see. Kevin Hayes has to be better all around too. He does. Well, I wouldn't, I mean, and this 
makes sense since they they're friends and they played together all the time in in, Bo- in like during the summer in Boston that Hayes and and VC would end up on the same line together. Yeah, I could see it, and it would make a lot of sense. I mean, again, you got to try to do something like that. Maybe that does spark him to even be better. And and look, he had a pretty good year, but but he was deficient in a lot of areas of the game. And VC that would be good too. You know, Lindbergh. He's not going to be there to start the year. He's out a couple months. That hurts him. He actually was a really good all-around player. Now, on the plus side, Zuccarello looked great for Team Europe. He may have been their best player. The career of this guy is just, like I said, it's inexplicable. Mm. None of us would have ever thought he could ever give these kinds of contributions. He was their best player last year. Rick Nash has to show up. Rick Nash has to have another 40-goal year. It's a lot of pressure, but – and and they brought and they brought in Michael Grabner basically to be a fourth line guy and a role player. And he might not make it either. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, you see, that's the thing. I mean, you can't. I don't think you can play Perry on a fourth line because fourth no. line is mostly energy, energy forward and and defense. You can't put a guy who's a no defense guy on a fourth line. That it does. He's got to be a top nine guy for them to make the team. If he's making the team, he's got to be on that at least on that third line. You know. The, does he get elevated to a top six role because he fits in as a scorer, as a, as a sniper on one of those lines? I mean, it's possible. It's possible, but just because Gerby and, and Juris had Switzerland options for Switzerland, if Gradner can't put the puck in the net. And he can't. He can't put the puck in the ocean, let alone in, in the net. I kind of wonder, I know he's a good penalty killer and the Rangers need help there. Is it enough to keep like him and Tanner Glass on that team because of that? I don't know. Well, so I'm going to be really interested to see what happens with Grabner. Well, that, that's I think one of them will make it, and if that's the case, then maybe Vigneault is loyal, more loyal to Tanner Glass than he is to Grabner. Uh, you know, and Max Lapierre is still in camp. Yeah, and and I mean, where does fat where does fast fit in? Is he a third liner? Is he a fourth liner? I mean, no, he's a third liner at this point. He's a third liner, and he's their best defensive player, their best defensive forward, I should say. And look, I wish he'd get second power play time. He once led the Hartford Wolfpack in the power play. He now, can but he doesn't get the opportunity. Now, shifting to defense, and we've talked, you know, There's Gerard- one other thing. Wait, there's one other guy. Okay. So somebody who's had a really good camp, and they picked up in a trade, and I remember people were like, eh, I don't know. Nick Jensen, who used to be with the Vancouver Canucks, big guy. I've watched him. He's going to the net. If this guy has a chance of making the team, that's what he has to do. And so, and he's six foot four. That is a missing element for this team because, let's face it, Rick Nash doesn't go to the net, and really nobody was going to the net for the Rangers in the playoffs. This kid could actually make the team if he could show that he could be a battler in the crease. So what you're saying is he's Victor Stahlberg with guts. More better hands. Yeah, well, no, but the, the Victor yeah. Stahlberg for his size would never go to the net. No, true. And so, they, yes. Yeah. And um, he has better hands, yes. Switching switching to defense, uh, we we talked about you know Girardi slowing down and maybe his role diminishing, you know Stall being you know I think reflecting the abuse that he's taken in terms of blocking shots over the years, he's started to slow down. You know McDonough is still a top flight defenseman. Kevin Klein could be one of the most underpaid players in the NHL. Very unheralded, like he could score goals. He's proved it. He's their most unheralded defenseman. But, you know, I think for the success of this team, they finally got out from under the Dan Boyle contract. Yes. The, you know, the ascendance of Brady Shea 
and maybe McElrath holding on to a bottom pairing role. I mean, that at least brings some young blood in on the blue line. Now, I, I've heard some things about uh, supposedly Adam Clendenning is having a good training camp. Yeah, but but you know, he, he's a smaller guy. He's never been terrific in his end. He he does give he does lead the rush well. He skates well. He passes well. He does have the offensive measurables, but. I've never loved his defense, and I, I would like to see them sort of send him down and let him sort of lear, learn how to play defense the Ranger way because that's been the most successful thing about the Rangers for the last few years, if you think about it, is the fact that they've been able to bring defensemen in and get a lot of mileage out of them and have them do very well. Even Dan Boyle didn't kill them, even though he could have killed a lot of other teams. And it's also a credit to their top guys. You know, Mark Stahl, we didn't, you didn't mention him. He could still play. I don't think he's a top guy anymore, but he's their top guy. And so I think we'll see what he looks like, but that's going to be a big deal. I like what Shea brings. I think Shea will be fine. I think he has to be in that top four. You might as well put him there. He's fast and he's physical, and he skates great. And so, you know, I, I like him there. Kelly Anderson's an interesting guy because he, he does have the offensive measurables, but they'll send him down. Matt Bodie's just never probably going to get a shot with the Rangers. It's a shame because – he was great with Union. He's, he's an exciting player at times, but I just ne- he's never really fit in. Ryan Graves has the size, and he, and he has just enough skating ability to make this team at some point. He could steal a McElrath spot because, again, Ryan Graves, the one thing he does better than McElrath is he is a supreme shot blocker. Mm-hmm. Like, he is great at that. And I think anybody who was scared that – Henrik Lundqvist was starting to get too long in the tooth and maybe slow, slowing down. You watched him in the World Cup. Yeah, he looked pretty good. He looked pretty good. So, so there's no worries about him. And so, yeah, I just – I think this team is right on the edge, man. They are if, – if there's a team on the bubble, this is the team on the bubble because we just named like seven question marks. We did. Now, the good things are, hey, Derek Stepan – Matt Zuccarello, Henrik Lundqvist. There's a lot of good things about this team. McDonough, Klein. You know, I, and I still like Mark Stahl. I know a lot of Ranger fans have soured on him. I haven't. And so they have a core still on defense. That will keep a minute until the very end. And then it's just a matter of can they beat out teams like the Islanders and maybe the Blue Jackets, right? I mean, these are going to be teams now that – they didn't have to worry about last year, but may have to worry about this year. And again, are they going to expend so much energy to make the playoffs that they don't to make the playoffs that they can't function in the playoffs? We'll see. I mean, they're fighting for one position in the top three because I think Washington and Pittsburgh probably have two of the spots locked. Unless, oh yeah, unless there's some dramatic injury of Ovechkin or Crosby or something like that. And I think yeah, the Islanders have to now challenge the Rangers for that third spot or one of those crossover playoff spots so you have the islander yeah i mean it could be very likely that the both wild cards come out of the metro yes it's possible but you also have to factor in the fact that the atlantic i think is the worst of the two divisions yes and if there's one team that has some success they'll be feeding off of the buffaloes and the ottawas and the torontos and their record might be better than teams that have to face it face uh you know philadelphia and the islanders all the time they, it's they, coming they, down to the wire I'm going to say the Rangers will make it, and I'm going to give the credit to Jimmy VC because I think that's sort of – no, I think, like, because, look, 
Duclair, he would have been playing as a Ranger. He's not. And I think because there's not that really good offensive talent, they, they, you know, Kevin Hayes, same thing. They didn't draft him, but they signed him. If they didn't have these two signings, they definitely would be a team on the downturn right now because even offensively. But this might keep them going. Yeah, they found they found a way to add, you know, arguably first round caliber talent without using a pick. They just Correct. the 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 attraction of New York City, the attraction of a team that's been successful the last few years. Yeah. They they've been able to attract players in in unorthodox ways, and you know that I mean people don't remember Zuccarello was a undrafted. European free agent, and they got him for absolutely nothing. I I remember when he, he came over, there, there was only other, you know, there was only one other team that supposedly would, had put in an inquiry on him, and it was Toronto. Yep. And he chose the Rangers, and you know, and that, I mean, he's just been a fantastic player. But I, I agree. I think they're going to be a playoff team, but I think they're going to end up being a wild card, maybe third place at the best in that division. Yeah. One other thing I think they need to change in the future is. I believe they still only have one goalie coach, right? Yeah. They probably, like a lot of other teams, have a lower-level goalie coach. Or did they just hire one? I forget if they just – Well, they just have just have a, a layer, right? No, they just have a layer listed. So they need to get somebody else in there too. They do. That's just my opinion. All right. Well, good show, and we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, as we said, uh, we'll preview the Philadelphia Flyers, the Washington Capitals, and the Pittsburgh Penguins tomorrow with Eck and with Russ and I and Jordan Fisher. For Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching, and remember, without the buzz, just hockey. Thank you, Tukaya.